rain is flooding the pavement cracks Headlines screaming that the pain will tax Girl is crying as she misses her train What the man saying just a little more rain Little bit more, little bit more Everybody's looking for a little bit more Welcome to the sixth edition of Studio Break. I'm your host, David Linaway. We've got new music and a new interview with Bill Conger. So stay tuned, it's all coming up. Welcome to Studio Break. Today we've got uh, Bill Conger on. Hi, Bill. Hello, Dave. It's, it's going to be exciting talking to you just because I, I know that there's been a lot of uh, uh, things that have changed over, over the past couple of years for you. Um, but uh, I was just hoping that you could talk just a little bit about, um, again, where, where you got your, your degrees. Oh, sure. Uh, initially, I was uh, trained as a graphic designer, and uh, I received a two-year degree from Illinois Central College and uh, moved on to Illinois State University. Uh, where I continued on until and you're you currently live in uh, Peoria, is that right? East Peoria, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, well, so my my first, I guess, big question for you is just, um, you know, how how your studio practice has kind of changed since you've taken, or at least been able to take on um, take it on a lot more than you know when you're. Um, uh, a curator. Um, you mean taking on a lot more regarding? Oh, just I mean, just not having that. I guess such a big chunk of your time kind of devoted to, you know, working in that regards. Oh yes. So essentially, when I was when I was curating, I was also making work in a in a sense. I was kind of. Um, curating shows around similar interests that were um, affecting me in the studio. And, and it was one of the reasons that, uh, that I felt maybe it would be a good idea for a change um, because I felt uh, a somewhat, uh, as a curator, I was being redundant in some ways um, because as an artist you get licensed to be redundant. As a curator, great curators uh, are um, virtuosos, I think, um, with media and style and and trends. And you know, it's kind of like a music producer. You know, um, the great Bob Ezrin, who um, produced Alice Cooper and Kiss, also produced um, Canine. So it, you know, I I think that there are similar. Um, expectations of a curator that I felt personally I was never going to do very well. Um, so essentially I was making work um, while curating out of the exhibitions I was doing. I was seeing, it was kind of research for my studio practice. So that was one reason that, that um, I did make the change. Um, and regarding your question of how, how you know, things are moving in the studio, I find um, that I do not necessarily make uh, more work, but I feel like I'm more in tune with the process um, of being in the studio. I'm very much a kind of creature or habit, so I 
get in early and I kind of check in and check out, not unlike, um, you know, a nine to five um, situation. It's just the way I work and, and it, it keeps things kind of stable for me creatively. Interesting. Um, could, could you just talk a little bit about, um, I guess, the, the role that your, your surroundings, your location has kind of played in, in terms of how it influences you? Well, if, if I get your question, um, I, I suppose that living uh, in the Midwest is uh, where it does make its way into my studio. Uh, there are some interesting parallels with, with my work and, and where I live. I don't think that um, I consider it. I don't think that uh, it, it's necessary to, um, to talk about that in regard to my work. Um, I guess it, uh, I'm reminded of a quote that uh, the great poet Philip Larkin uh, responded to W.H. Uh, Auden. We asked him a similar question about living in Hull, England. His reply was, um, to paraphrase, um, that essentially I'm, I'm no more unhappy here than I would be anywhere else. And, and you know, I'm, I, I'm essentially a very internal artist and an internal person and so my surroundings really are just that they're just happen to be where I'm at and I don't uh, I don't um, pretend that they define me uh, in any uh, in any I guess aesthetic sense uh, should other people think that that's the case uh, that's that's okay uh, there are some interesting parallels to where I live Peoria Illinois is a kind of um, eternally dying <laughs> city. It, it, it has been, uh, for decades, um, been kind of labeled a city that is um, on its way off of the map, essentially. Um, there was a time in the 70s there were bumper stickers that went around that said, last person to leave Peoria, turn off the lights, right? And, uh, you know, oftentimes in my work, there are light bulbs, there are blown out candles. There are lots of kind of funny um, correlations um, uh, aesthetically to what I do, to where I live. I don't know that I can make the work I make uh, now living anywhere else. I don't know if that's if that's true or not or relevant. Uh, it is a, kind of an interesting thing to ponder, though. Sure, so, sure. And and how, how perfect that you live in a, a dying city. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, and, and again, it's it's uh, it, it's terrible, and and uh, there's some you know kind of lovely aspects to it too if you're aware of them and and open to uh, to seeing them in that way, I guess. Well, and I have a, especially a, a slew of questions um, about that kind of that mind, I guess the you know essentially what, kind of what you're talking about is being you know really introspected to some degrees. Um, so I guess how does, um, mythology and I guess storytelling kind of fit in, in into, into what you do? Um, I know, I know that for myself, one of, one of the older pieces that, that you had and, and kind of lectured about was this, um, this, uh, how I think you did, made like a remade the, the Halloween house or the Michael Myers house. Sure. And, um, I, I, obviously, I don't think that necessarily that that's something that's you know 
currently, you know, something that, that maybe you're interested in, but, you know, how, how does the role of, like, storytelling or mythology um, fit into what you do? Yeah, I've always been interested in it. I think early uh, earlier in, in the work that I guess I would call, you know, the, the work that I make now, if you wanted to refer to it as, you know, mature work, um, on the road to getting... Um, to where I am uh, with my practice, uh, I was really inspired and really interested in, in um, the idea of myth and lore. And I think mostly because it, it served as a, a vehicle for me to uh, explore the narrative or, or better yet, the, the distance between things, um, the distance between what is real and what's perceived. And I think that mythology, uh, was a, a very easy way for me to access that. And, and with the work that you're referring to, I was kind of um, connecting with certain, I guess, popular culture uh, items here and there uh, in terms of how we perceive them and, and, and their meanings in the world. So they, um, I guess, I think they operated more as, as iconography than art, in, in my opinion just looking back at them. But I've always been interested in the narrative, certainly, and um, have for a, a while tried to um, figure out how to weave uh, narrative in, into the work that I make. And I think that uh, the pieces like the one that you're, you're referencing were, was kind of a stepping stone to get to that point. Well, and you know, I I didn't know you you had talked a little bit on on the introduction that your initial background was graphic design, um, and this is this is a big a big question. But I mean, could you, I guess, talk a little bit about like again that evolution from, I guess, being a more you know uh, traditional kind of artist um, into into being like a, a very you know, very open to media and mixed media approaches and and kind of contemporary thinking about it. Sure. Well, remember, uh, when I, I'm old enough that when I was receiving my graphic design degree, it meant something very different. And, and then, uh, a design degree that you may receive today, we were using essentially technologies that were antiquated and essentially dead on arrival. I got a degree in, uh, you know, using T squares and tech pens. And this was kind of at the cusp of um, desktop publishing. So uh, all this technology that I had spent a long time learning was already obsolete by the time I, I began um, in the field. I was more taken or captured, as a lot of designers I think are, by the kind of uh, aspects of illustration. And so I quickly realized that the more... Uh, adept I got to technically rendering and, and illustrating and kind of expressing in that way um, that uh, I guess the less interest I had in it, um, it just seemed to be uh, a series of steps and operations to arrive at a preconceived end. And I'm not interested in the, in the preconceived conclusions. I'm, I'm interested in uh, the struggle and the fight to find something new. And it took me a long time to figure out what my dissatisfaction with that was. That being said, I still enjoy designing 
Um, I still enjoy typography and I still enjoy composing things visually. Um, but um, I guess that end of uh, that means of creativity doesn't doesn't bring me to the conclusion that I need uh, to be an artist. Right. Um, could you could you talk a little bit about um, you know just because you've mentioned me mentioned poetry for example a couple of times, um, but also I, I know that you're just somebody that is pretty in tune with with things that are that are going on um, and seem to be very good at being active and, and kind of being engaged with those things. Um, could you could you talk about uh, that role the the role that like reading or poetry or or do you do creative writing for example or you know, professional writing. I I write very little. I read a lot. Um, however, I don't retain a lot. I'm not a very good reader. It's not that I can't technically read. I can I can read, but I don't read in the way that uh, a you know a scholarly student in literature would read. I don't read the way I probably should read. I kind of uh, find passages and and chapters and paragraphs that involve certain aspects of emotion uh, and I try to tap into um, the way writers connect with with their reader and and I just kind of I do it for pleasure but I also do it to learn uh, to try to learn something about how to connect with people um, in terms of words, in terms of letters, um, and, and so I take it really seriously, and I try to I try to integrate that study uh, into the titles that I make, and that's about as close as I get to writing. Um, if I ever attempted writing, I'm sure I would be absolutely miserable at it, um, but. I've always kind of described myself as a frustrated writer, poet, sculptor, painter. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really fit into any of those things. So um, it doesn't mean I don't love them, though. Well, in, and I guess in that regards, I mean, what what do you find has been, I guess, the, the biggest influence? Very easy question. I mean, I know that there's so, there's so few in, things, right? In the work I make today? Um, it's influence or just in just... Well, I mean, I guess a little bit of both, because I mean, you know, those things are always, I think, things that are changing. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I, I I haven't read seriously enough to suggest that it has been enough of an influence to make it a major one. I'm certainly most influenced by um, artists who um, blur boundaries, um, blur boundaries between. Uh, the making of things. I've always been interested in painters who integrate materials that are just um, uh, unexpected, and and that that quality of art making not that the not that materials play that much of, of a, a role in how you read a work, but the the surprise, <clears throat> the the uh, the happy kind of moment that you realize that you are feeling something as a result of a new way of integrating a material that any artist who has, you know, been involved with that in the past 20 years, I have been probably 
uh, in awe of whether it's, um, uh, gosh, to actually give you people seems, seems, um, uh, I will not do That's justice, fine. the amount of people that I, that I would be able to reference, but I, I can remember as a very young painter being very startled and, and enthralled by, uh, an exhibition of Donald Sultan, um, that I saw and I was just taken by the way that that he was reinterpreting romantic imagery um, through this language of, you know, gasoline and tar and, and linoleum tile. And for me as a young painter, that was just revelatory. That just opened an entire world up um, to me in terms of how one would, how one can open the world um, and, and forget about all the expectations regarding materials. Those are probably the most influential and most kind of profound um, influences I've ever had. Interesting, yeah. Um, and and I, I also know that, you know, just, and I, I shouldn't say no, I guess, particularly, but um, it seems that a, a lot of your work um, and kind of fitting in with this kind of way of uh, not only exploring materials um, and, and storytelling being kind of a good an integral kind of component to it. Um, how does having a, a family or how do the relationships, I guess, in your life, do those ever find, I guess, ways to kind of become part of what you do? Or is that something that's kind of removed? Um, I think it's fairly removed. I don't think it's um, notable, really. Um, it's not unlike, uh, you know, any number of vocations that uh, one would take on. Although there are times that, that I will reference things in my life, probably, and I'm sure my family kind of fits in there uh, here and there. Uh, that being said, those would be completely, you know, secondary uh, aspects to whatever work I, was, I would be making. I mean, everybody has to have a place to begin. And as you were indicating earlier, it's hard to divorce oneself from uh, from one's experience, their environment, and, um, you know, having a family for me is, is a very enriching, uh, experience that I'm sure carries over into the studio via, you know, whatever confidence or, um, you know, just kind of feelings of, uh, of, uh, fulfillment or whatever. Um, but you know, it's really no different than I think a plumber who's married. I mean, I, and has kids. I mean, I think, it, it just happens to be right. Well, could you, could you kind of walk us through maybe, I don't know, something that maybe you're working on now, or I just oh. guess what the, what the, what that process is like in terms of you kind of you mean, fig figuring uh, something out or exploring like a, like a new piece, for example. Hmm. Wow. I've never done that before. That's, it's kind of intriguing. I, uh, I hope it's interesting <laughs> to listen to, uh, there, think here oftentimes i'll get kind of stuck on things i'll just kind of get obsessed about uh, over a form or a uh, material or a kind of sense of things um i have been really lately uh, extremely interested and kind of taken by um hotels from from the 20s and 30s and the kind of the grandeur and, and austerity that, that those, the hotel type of hotel I'm referring
referring to, uh, the the visual accompaniment of of the experience of being, you know, um, I guess just lavish kind of uh, sensory component um, regarding the materials, the the polished woods, the uh, the faux marbles, the granites, the you know, just the materials, how they make you feel, uh, the place that it takes you. Um, I've been kind of obsessing about um, those materials and and um, to essentially no conclusion. I have no real conclusion for you to to say that, that uh, it always, you know, works its way into the studio. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but it's the best way I can explain how I make things. I just kind of um, keep circling around, you know, like a, like a vulture or something until, until something happens. And, and that might be just, I see something differently or I feel more confident that day than, than another day. And then, then a resolution may just kind of happen. Oftentimes it's just me doing things. If I just keep my hands moving, uh, and you essentially make enough mistakes, some of those mistakes look all right. No, I, th- I think that's uh, about the most honest answer that one could get, you know. Um, and I guess, and, and just kind of following that up too, I mean, so w- what What have you gotten to work, I guess, that maybe you thought was going to be just a complete, you know, crashing into the mountain, if you will, you know, something something where you just kind of really just oh. amazed yourself, I guess, and kind of going like, holy shit, you know, this... Yeah. Almost everything that I do, <laughs> anything that I that I actually say is a finished work for me is usually a pretty amazing experience that I ever found it. But but I will give you a specific one because there is one that comes to mind. Uh, there's a um, a towering kind of uh, balanced uh, series of martini glasses that that um, that I'm quite taken with that just kind of happened in the studio. Um, and the uh, the kind of simplicity of the the movement and the moment of balancing five martini glasses on each other, um, and then have them become actually physically entrancing and visually um, appealing. That's a real surprise and a real you know kind of for me. That's what keeps me making. Uh, making more objects is just kind of searching for these little moments that I guess amuse me that, um, that I can keep going back to and getting influence from. I don't think it's any different than any other type of art making really painting or, or sculpture in any way. Uh, it, it is, uh, a way of kind of finding the amusement in material. And, and for me, I'm always kind of attracted to the simplicity of gesture uh, the simplicity of material, and I'm always trying to pare it down um, until the material or gesture could be next to invisible. That just is just, as an artist, something that I have been working toward for a long time. So uh, any work that kind of gets close to that, I usually end up keeping. And so... Uh... Again, I, I love throwing these softballs out there, but you keep kind of giving <laughs> giving me answers that make me feed other questions. But um, 
That's okay. You know, this, are there particular themes that you're kind of interested in? Um, and I, I, I say this because I don't want to dwell on um, this idea that you live in, in a dying land. Um, but but I, I don't know. I, I can't help but I feel like a lot of people might feel like that and, and be in an entirely different kind of situation. I mean, um, you know, aside from just even the kind of things that are kind of going on right now in terms of, you know, the Occupy movement or something like that. Oh, um, oh okay. So but, your, your question is regarding... Just like themes, themes in your work. Are, I mean, are, are there any that are kind of important to you? I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know if death, for example, is something that you think about, or um, I don't know any, anything that I guess might be kind of a little bit more personal in terms of like what it is that you. Right, right, uh, sure. I mean, essentially, uh, I'm I'm kind of enthralled by the 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 dual forces that, you know, life and death can kind of, um, uh, evoke in, in people. Um, it's not that in my work, even though it may kind of feel like I obsess on it, um, I, I'm entranced by, by notions that are kind of melancholic, um, merely because for the same reasons that uh, blues music exists. I mean, there's beauty in it. Um, I, I enjoy exploring that beauty. I enjoy it um, from a distance. I don't enjoy being unhappy um, necessarily. I enjoy kind of looking at it um, as as a subject. Um, I enjoy kind of talking about things that people are generally ignoring or trying to not deal with. And, and you know, in our in our lives, we don't go around telling everybody necessarily just on the street how bad we're feeling. Usually, um, if somebody asks you how you're doing, you say doing great, doing fine. And, and so, I enjoy kind of, uh, I guess, obsessing on 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 the you know the dichotomies that 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 brings along. That one would say, "Yeah, I'm fine," but uh, you really don't want to know. Right. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, well, and, and I was going to just say, I mean, you know, I guess in a very practical way, it, you know, it's, you know, by by the definition of having those things, um, it kind of reminds you about the good times or reminds you on just just that whole act of balancing out, you know, mm-hmm. you know, every, yes. everything, everything erodes, for example, or, or dies or well, and, kind of and moves on. Question gets to a, another point, which is that particularly with artists, you know, we're we're constantly trying to figure out the artist as much as we are the art. I find that kind of interesting. I mean, I know this firsthand, working as a curator for a dozen years. This is something that that does color the work. Um, I one of my accomplishments as a curator I, I one of the ones i find most amusing is that uh, in a um, collaboration with the punk musician poet um richard hell uh, i became known to him or referred by him as the sad guy <laughs> <laughs> because uh it happened to be that the project we were working on revolved around you know, I told you earlier that my, my exhibitions kind of dealt with my work. And um, that was just his way of kind of connecting with me, connecting with a person, connecting with a face, trying to understand somebody. So I, I guess I don't blame anybody for 
kind of making those assumptions while looking at my work. Although, um, you know, essentially I'm a pretty happy person. <laughs> I think <laughs> it, it's a matter of, look, we have to make art about something, right? Everybody has to kind of deal with things. And this just happens to be uh, what I choose to deal with. If I wasn't making art about this stuff, I'd just be sitting around thinking about it anyway. So um, it's, it, it's exploration um, for me, uh, exploration not unlike, um, you know, going to church might be for somebody exploring something. Um, so I don't think I answered your question. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, it, you know, and it, it's funny because it kind of reminds me almost, too, of, um, you know, one of the things that I that I really enjoy about um, getting to the gym is just that it seems like a lot of these things that are issues in your life kind of get quieted down or kind of dealt with. Um, and it's, it's interesting because it, it seems like in, in, in that way, I mean, it seems like your work can kind of be, you know, a, a remnant of, of that, of that stress or that work or, you know what I mean? Or those, those thoughts, you're kind of, you know, putting that into some kind of form so that it almost becomes like an artifact artifact. And maybe that's just me talking, um, way too much so I, I apologize if that's crazy no, no, sounding, I think but. that I think that uh, particularly your your the way that you're seeing the work would come very logically because you're a painter you're you're you know we are trained to view things visually differently than we view things when we read them or absorb them in another way and part of what I think I try to do is incorporate strategies as we've talked about before that really don't attack you in the same way that painting or sculpture typically does i'm trying to kind of um create moments not unlike one would read about a moment in a novel or in a short story and so the things that i try to incorporate would be similar things that a writer might talk about so um, instead of painting a moment, I try to construct it, you know, and by, with real materials, with real things that we, that we deal with every day. And, and so I think that the, the way that we rationalize those when we're talking about artists is different than the way we might do so if we were talking about a story or a novel or, or you know, a work of fiction or nonfiction. Um, and so those are aspects, that's the distance that I was referring to before, uh, distance between how we perceive things, the way that we look at a martini glass in a bar compared to in a gallery. Um, you know, it's not revelatory, but it, these are things that, that, that I just enjoy kind of uh, trying to unfold. Did you... This is going to be a, I, I think, kind of related to this that maybe this idea of of death or kind of wondering. But um, did you did you hear what Steve Jobs' last words were? No. Um, and again, I don't. I think I think I enjoy kind of getting getting off topic just slightly because um, this article it was it, I, I basically read his his eulogy that his sister had written for for him, mm-hmm. and you know I don't. I'm amazed that they got his biography out. <laughs> I think within like a day of his death or something, I was at Target. <laughs> I suspect that, uh... <laughs> oh, 
I, I hear you, but I was just kind of like an entire business around death. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but um, it, it was really interesting, and I, I mean, I don't know much about Steve Jobs, and and there's certainly things that are very bizarre um, that I've been listening to, like even just in in terms of like say the manufacturing of an iPhone, where you know all these workers are kind of kept in this factory where they live and sleep, and there's you know, like these suicide catching nets around the rooftops and stuff. Wow. Um, anyways, I, I just, I find it interesting because it's, because uh, um, you think of somebody that has influenced the world so much in one way. And, you know, I think sometimes we don't really pay attention to what other kinds of effects, you know, they have and stuff. But um, the thing that was so remarkable to me about reading all this, aside from the fact that he apparently would work or was working and designing things the day the day that he died is that you know essentially the moment when he when he was was going to die um he basically said goodbye to everybody but then the last the last three things that he said he just repeated um this phrase and obviously i have no idea the context i'm guessing it was soft but he just said oh wow like three times as he's kind of just you know fading fading out and i just i don't know there's something that seemed really kind of compelling about that? I had not heard that. It's, it's you know, those, those are um, just tragically beautiful moments, right? I mean, um, I, I suspect you're bringing it up because you sense some poetry in there, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, I think, you know, as, uh, you know, as, you know, just as being, you know, regardless of what one believes, I mean, I think that that's something that wavers, for everybody, you know, throughout their life as they're kind of figuring out their way and, you know, realizing maybe that they're not, you know, you're not born into being a mature, responsible adult, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of the things that I <laughs> kind of learned at some point that, like, oh, right, parents, they are full of it, you know. They they don't necessarily have to have it figured out, but I just, I don't know, there was something that was, a, that, I don't know, just, there's something that seemed really, um, just interesting about that reaction, you know, like, like to kind of be there facing, you know, I don't know if it's some light that he saw or, you know, the Android like slowly getting larger as it loomed closer and closer and just engulfed him. Um, I love your descriptions. I mean, they're real. <laughs> well, I, I know that, I know that he apparently, apparently that's his biggest thing is he wants, he wants Google like destroyed or something. So, I don't know, but but I, I just thought that was such an interesting thing because I just looked at that and I'm just kind of like, wow, you know, the hell was he experiencing, you know? Yeah, yeah. well, that is the question, isn't it? Um, yeah. I don't know if you've if you've ever uh, witnessed somebody um, pass, but it is a most profound. Um, uh, it, it's everything you would expect it to be, and of course. Um, you come out of it um, very grateful for the moment that that you're in. Yet you know that there are other moments that that wait, right? That you've just that you've just watched, you've just witnessed, and um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a little uh, torn about the you know the the concept of of. Um, including that in a biography this soon. I mean, one wonders where, you know, what's sacred anymore for sure. But, um, I, I still find it a, a really intriguing. Well, it, it is what it is. It's, it's life and death. And, and, um, those are, 
those are the inevitable profundities in life that just kind of keep us, I think, making work, work of all kinds. You know, that's why he's working up till the day of, I suppose, huh? Right, right. Um, and and so, I guess to kind of get more back on track, so I don't keep bringing up uh, current events here. Um, what uh, I obviously kind of get an idea that of what maybe you want, I guess, out of your work. You know, in terms of maybe this this kind of finding these moments, um, as you kind of described them. But what do you what do you, is it, so is it really just about like kind of getting people to wonder about that and when they, when they see it? I think it's I, I think um, you know I as an artist I I am embarrassed to say that I possess a a, a great problem, which is that I so rarely consider what the viewer really experiences. <laughs> right. Um, but that being said, I do consider what the viewer experiences and what I would hope that experiences is, is really not as much questioning as, as um, I really hope that the work provokes sheer reaction, just kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I'm interested in the thought process afterward, you know, people kind of thinking about and talking about how they experience the work, but I'm really after uh, those those first moments well, when happening upon uh, a piece that, that either completely change the way people see something or completely don't. Right. <laughs> I'm interested in both of those. I'm interested in the point where people just um, saturate with the simplicity and just dismiss what they're looking at. I, I, I appreciate that actually just as much as I appreciate people who say, wow, that was just really, um, that was really moving. I had a great experience with that. I love them both. I'm really interested in how uh, my pieces affect people. But I, I really don't think very much about how they will talk about the piece afterward. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, th I think that that whole process is just something that's really kind of interesting, um, especially kind of getting, you know, it's very easy to kind of get wrapped up in your studio too, you know, to kind of so to kind of see these things out in the in, in the world and. I guess what yes. kind of what kind of you know what I mean? What people come up with or, or bring up to you is, is a very interesting idea. Um, well, it, it, and again, I'm sure you're you're familiar with that moment. Um, every painter, every sculptor, every videographer is aware that the thing that they think is great when one ushers somebody into their studio, and they go right to the other thing. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> to the one thing you thought was just a dismal moment. And I'm always really captured by that as well. Um, you know, this kind of, again, the distance, you know, the distance between, between what is capturing me and what is capturing you. Um, yet we we're both sensible people. We can both talk and, and, and ex explore ideas, but yet you still find, the one thing that I thought was the weak piece, you know, something about that, that moves you. I think that's really that so magical, you know? Right. Well, and 
I was going to say that it's it's interesting too. Just and obviously, there's a lot of different, I guess, ways that you know certainly artists kind of wind up exploring things. Um, and in this that that I guess idea that you're talking about in terms of something something that you maybe kind of overlook that somebody becomes interested in, um, it is a really nice moment. And I was just going to kind of use this to segue into something else, but um, it kind of reminded me of something entirely opposite, an experience I had um, uh, working in Dallas at a gallery um, and and seeing some stuff that um, I was just kind of amazed that <laughs> that there was a price tag on it like that or, so, or oh, something sure. in that regards, you know, because it's just, you know, there's, there's all these different kinds of systems, you know, for what and why people make. So obviously uh, selling thing is, selling things is an important aspect of that. Um, for some, but that, that was something that always kind of amazed me in terms of just some of the things that I've, you know, moved around and, um, you know, packaged up or unwrapped or stuff like that. So, um, but is that, is, is being a, a, a successful artist, or I guess maybe a a better question would be, I mean, what, what would you define as, as, as a successful artist, um, for yourself? You know, what, what is it that makes you feel, like you're doing your job, I guess. And in the end, is it, is it going to be important that you kind of, you know, tear up the art world or is it something that's kind of something, if it happens, then, you know, oh, so right. be it. Uh, it, it. Yeah. No, I, I'm fairly sure that, uh, that I will gauge my work, um, on the work that I make. And, uh, I take very uh, great pride in what I do. I, um, look, everybody, everybody is working towards something and, you know, one would has to have goals in order to kind of, um, get things done to some degree. Um, but I have to say, I'm, I'm, I've never been more comfortable making what I'm making. I've never been probably as comfortable with myself, um, as I am now for, I'm not exactly sure why I, I, I feel like, um, there have been some some revelations in, in in the way that I work that that uh, have helped me see you know whatever this this idea of uh, you know an artist's voice. Um, I feel like I've I, I have found something. I've, I've kind of discovered a way of working that that is mine. And um, you know, being attuned to things, as you mentioned, um, I was early on. I I was probably more attuned to artists and trends and things that are happening when I was curating because it was part of my job. I would say probably after two years of not doing so, I've maybe retreated a bit um, from that. And and I recognize there's probably danger in that, but I'm kind of getting to a point and an age where I just want to make this work. I just have to see this through. And, um, uh, my only regret is that I can't be consistently fulfilled in the studio. It's just always, you know, how this goes. This is studio life. This right. is the, it is the push, the pull, the struggle makes it all worthwhile when it when it happens. But it is terribly um, frustrating and difficult to get through for me. I will have you know weeks and weeks without really anything happening. Um, of mention, you know, to mention. And, and then when that 
so that something breaks and, and I, you know, feel like that those two months or whatever were worth waiting for, then, you know, on you go to the next. So it is, uh, I guess it is, uh, as all artists know, it's, it's a bit masochistic. Um, but you're also, I think to some degree addicted to, to whatever chemical <laughs> is right. released when you make that, re that realization that, Yes, there was something there the whole time. Um, so, you know, in regards to success, I feel like if I can just keep uh, basically doing what I'm doing now, which is just kind of keep moving forward and and uh, keep doing things in a in a, a consistent but fresh way, I I will feel you know very successful. I already do feel very successful. I don't really need money and um, I need some attention. I'm not going to lie to you. I like attention. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, don't we all, right? Sure. Well, and and it'll be really ridiculous uh, if, if this gets to, like, say, 100 episodes, because I'll, I'll probably wind up repeating uh, half half of the things that I say. Um, but right. it's, it's just really... I really love listening to this because I think it's oftentimes you kind of get like a perception of the way that somebody is, you know, based on what you, I guess, perceive to be really, you know, productive, you know? <laughs> and again, I think kind of a re recent point in case was just talking to a, a Ben Gardner who, for some reason, I just imagined him, you know, basically he like falls asleep you know, in a paint painting that's on a surface and then he kind of wakes up, stirs, kind of does what he has to do and go eat whatever and comes back to that. Um, sure. And so kind of realizing that, you know, again, there's all these different kind of things that are involved in, in our lives and that kind of thing. Um, but what is, is there anything, is there anything that I guess particularly make you feel blocked or is it just like something that, just always happens and you just kind of have to work through it. Oh, yes. I, I always feel blocked and it always happens and I always have to work. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm being very honest with you. No, that's a, but, that's a great, I mean, I think that's great, you know. Yeah, it, it, it is a consistent kind of uh, um, uh, breaking through, you know. Right. Uh, and it, I don't know that everybody experiences it to this degree. I kind of doubt it because one of the things I'm always trying to do in the studio is come up with with complex simplicity. Does that make sense? Like I'm yeah. trying to be complicated, but at the same time, I need it to be simple. So because you work at two ends of the spectrum, it just demands that uh, that there are a lot of failures in between, uh, just as part of part of it. And I would like to say that the longer you you know that I've been doing it, the easier it gets, and it, it just doesn't. Um, but it, uh, it it has not gotten any less fulfilling. That's for sure. You know, right? Well, and I have a again just a handful of more questions that hopefully will be a little bit more fun and. Just because of the nature of this interview, Bill. This was fun. All, all these, all these, all these hangups that we've had in terms of communicating, I just have some really strange things to throw out at you. So, um, certainly, studying painting and and being drawn to 
you know, 50s abstract expressionism and, and, and things like that. You know, if you put, if for whatever reason Jackson Pollock and whomever else is hanging out in, in New York at the bar, um, if there is a, a massive bar fight, who, who comes out on top? Um, in that group of guys or, or whomever, you know, those, 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 in, in the ab, at the abstract expressionist in the cedar bar. Yeah. So, who wins? So, in a, who wins? Who, who beats everybody down? Oh, okay. Who is going to, Oh, I see. But in a so, literal fist fight, Pollock, there, there's no doubt he, he would, he definitely is not going to win. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, who wins? I suppose I would say Barnett Newman wins because he probably just pays somebody to kick everyone's ass. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, I love I love thinking that the you know the most unobvious person would be victorious. Yeah, but you know, I've envisioned this many times because I'm a big fan of of. Uh, the New York School, and and uh, definitely have have uh, read more than than my quota of of uh, Pollock biographies and Bakuning biographies, and it's just so entrancing that that uh, you know these these fights occur over art concepts. That it almost <laughs> seems, seems unbelievable to me that it ever really happened, but. Well, it's it's certainly would have made uh, graduate school more interesting uh, <laughs> to see some real not not just verbal wars, but you know, let's take this outside. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I don't know who do you think is it? Probably Franz Klein, right? Yeah. You, you know, I I really want to see them all in a line. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to. I want I want to see I want to see the eyes in particular, maybe to see, you know, what is. What's behind them, or maybe yeah. if there's nothing behind them? Well, it's certainly not Pollock. He he would be. Uh, I'm sure he'd be weeping in the corner. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he might he might start out strong, but I think as soon as he gets hit, right. it all just goes downhill. Um, so to c- kind of continue on this this string, I only have another dumb question for you. But um, so what's your what's your favorite horror movie? Oh, The Shining. Okay. Absolutely, it's the it is the the only real horror movie I think that really exists, in my opinion. And it's the only one that affects me as a horror movie should. And why why do you think that is? Um, and it, is? and it is really interesting too because when you were talking about you know old hotels earlier. Yeah, it's, right. it kind of immediately popped into my head, and I don't, I don't know That's if it's just because it's Halloween and the, or it's close to Halloween, and we should have done this, you know, five days ago. But well, listen, nothing's by accident. It's everything's related. So um, certainly, take with that what you will regarding my earlier comments. But I think the reason, in my opinion, that that, that the Shining is so effective is because to me it equals the way I work. Essentially, it began as a a novel, and it was turned into a piece of art. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Kubrick had, you know, he, he ignored so much of what Stephen King uh, was doing in the narrative because he knew that those things, number one, could not work cinematically. He understood that. And and secondly, he was just bored by it. And, and so he interjected his own 
vision into the story. And I think that, uh, of course, none of this happens if, if uh, the director, i.e. Kubrick, is not a genius. But, but he was a genius to recognize the potential of the story and then just interweave another, uh, a, a more rich um, storyline that, that becomes compelling in a very abstract way. I mean, there are people, you know, how, how old is that movie? 30 years old. It's still being discussed as to what actually happens in the movie. Nobody really knows what happens. Nobody knows who is conscious of what, who is speaking to whom. It is a complete, you know, beautiful mystery, and yet also became a, you know, a, a popular sensation uh, later on. So, in my view, because it, it, it actually, um, its target audience became so much bigger in the end, um, I feel like that's certainly the greatest horror movie ever made, no doubt. Very interesting. Um, and so, obviously, uh, uh, music is something that I, that I believe I've talked to a couple of times, but um, what, do you, what do you like in the studio um, mm. to work to or... Maybe in the car could be another place too. I, I found recently that there's some folks that don't always listen to music in the studio. So, uh, I will tell you if I if you will allow me to turn the question on you and um, ask you what you think I would listen to. I would think mostly elevator music. Kind of, kind of, kind of Kenny Kenny G style. Um, no, I, I was going to guess some kind of a, a, a punk rock that, that makes you feel like you're, you're 20 again, but I, I could be entirely wrong. Oh, I like that. I like that response. Actually, uh, there's a plenty uh, of uh, Elliot Smith playing in my studio all the time, although, you know, there, um, I have lots of, uh, of you know, post-rock emo kind of sound-based, you know, Mogwai and, and um, explosions in the sky and, and uh, endless Nick Cave, as I'm sure most people who, who know me at all would, would probably guess. Um, but it, it actually is quite varied. I, you know, Pandora, I have a, it just goes on and on and on. It just depends how I feel that day. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, and I think it... Um... I think in the, in the same, I guess in the same way, like uh, it's just interesting to me too, how, how all those things kind of change, but I, I especially like uh, Pandora just in a, in the sense of just the stuff that you, that you're not familiar with, but then also the stuff that you, that you really are. Sure. Or, or well, just... it helps, it helps old folks like me stay kind of connected to what it's, right. what's around them. Um, because we, you know, I tend to zero in on, particular artists that I really like and I need help getting out of that that cycle and Pandora does do that that being said it's extremely annoying with its uh, with the uh, commercials that it right has been in, interjecting lately so I'm looking for an alternative well um, I, I will suggest something I don't I don't know that uh, you'll have the patience to kind of work through it Um but for this for this podcast, uh, and I will be select. I'll, I'll select some new music for you. Um, but 
I've found a, a website called Free Music Archive. Oh. And it's just all, again, st people that have given their, their consent, essentially, so that I can use it. But it's amazing how much stuff is on it. Wow. Okay. And, um, you know, I mean, that's particularly what I look through to, to, find, st to find stuff for this podcast. So I, I thought that was something that was a interesting resource. And I guess just because I, I, I'm feeling left out, Bill, and I don't know that I've explained this to, to someone yet on on one of these podcasts, but for me, um, one of the silliest things that I've really have gotten into, and I, I think it's partially because in, in a way that you've talked a little bit about this, the, the love for um, the movie, The Shining, for, for whatever reason, I really enjoy the Rocky Four soundtrack. Um, That's a good one. Well, and I, I certainly don't think that any of my drawing students can really fully appreciate um, the same way that I'm trying to appreciate this. Um, but it's really funny to me just because, you know, if you're familiar with this movie, aside from all the, the Cold War rhetoric, um, I just love this idea about, you know, him, him running up the mountain and stuff like that. But the music is just so integral and kind of bringing you back to that space, you know? And so I, I think that, you know, especially, you know, maybe something that kind of goes overlooked or something that's, I've never, you know what I mean? I've never been to a, a lecture and somebody's really going on about, you know, how, how much music is really a part of their studio life. But I mean, I, th I think it's just interesting because it, like anything else, it, it's kind of an indication of, you know, even just how you feel, you know? Right, right. No, for sure. Now, uh, was Rocky Four an in integral part of your... Um coming of age? I don't know. You know, I, I think just cause, the, cause like the, there's a, there's a weirdness in a certain time period for me, you know, and, and I don't know if that's something that, you know, my nephew, for example, is going to be, you know, you know, 20 years old someday and, and looking back on it and being like, Oh, they don't make movies like this anymore. But I think there's, there's certainly like a nostalgia. Mm -hmm. Um, and in particular, you know, like, like I think even in terms of like, even though I keep beating this and, and it's one of the things that always strikes me about is that, that Michael Myers house thing. Um, I'm really kind of drawn to these weird myth, mythological items almost, or, or, you know, um, there, there, I had an interest, for example, in the, in the movie, the karate kid, um, you know, at some point he, he gets his bike, uh, trash cause he gets like, you know, kicked off the side of a hill, um, by all those, by all those kids. And, um, you know, at, at some point in the movie, it's fixed by, by Mr. Miyagi. And it's kind of like left at the very top of his like stairs to his apartment. Yes. And it's just a really beautiful image of this, this bike, you know, that I think for, for whatever purposes, it doesn't really have any, you know, specific value kind of built into it that anybody would know if they didn't kind of recognize it as that. But there, there's something that's really interesting to me about that. And, um, I don't know, for me, it's just, it, movies are so, I don't know, so much of a part, I guess, in terms of growing up to some degree, certain things that I remember and, and take a lot of enjoyment out of remembering really unimportant things, you know, that, that nobody is going to understand, which, which is why <laughs> I encouraged a lot of people for Halloween to, to dress up as their, their favorite B movie character you know a, a throwaway character so you encouraged just 
everybody around you or um well if, particularly students again um oh, right. i think this is partially because and this isn't exactly like a b roll but um you know one year i i went as emilio estevez from the breakfast club because nice. it essentially required buying a hoodie and I, and that was I pretty the, pretty much the, it the visual connections <laughs> there too though i i think there are some definite physical similarities well and it's just funny because you can just remember a couple key lines of dialogue, um, you know, telling somebody that if, if you weren't in school right now, you'd waste them, you know, and, uh, and you're set. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to totally tank this if I keep talking. So um, <laughs> maybe I've already done that. <laughs> um, so last couple of things here, though. Um, so. I guess before I get to kind of my favorite question, is there is there anything that you've got coming up that that people should check into? Any shows or excitement? Well, uh, the only thing I'm willing really to talk about right now is, uh, which I think um, Ben actually mentioned on your your discussion with him, is that he and I are working on a um, publication mm -hmm. for Drake University. Uh, of, of which will essentially kind of be the only thing that I've ever done that that only exists as text. So, um, and I don't want to give too much of it away, but I'm very excited about the project, and um, I, you know, I hope that that it's a very successful one, and I hope people, anybody who's interested in the people out there who are interested in what I do. I hope, um, I hope we can connect up at some point, uh, so I can share that with you in some way. But, uh, I am very excited about the idea of, of just working with, uh, with text alone. Um, it will hopefully if, if things go right, still be a visual, um, a visual work that it'll be, um, kind of, psychologically charged <laughs> right you know rather than just visually charged so we'll see now that seems really exciting um and and so the so the i guess the last one here uh what was the last uh really great piece of art that you saw that that uh that made you want to quit <laughs> wow huh. well you know i hate questions like this because oh really? <laughs> is it better? Is it a little bit better than asking you to describe your work in one sentence or one word? Yeah, I'll take the first one. Hold on, I'll cut. <laughs> oh really? Gosh, yeah. that—that's one of the—that's one of the questions that I—I I, I was asked before by a, a visiting artist or something like that. Like, describe your your work in a, a sentence, and I just well, I can I can come up with with the last time that I saw a work that I wish I would have done. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. that, that I was just, wow, why did, why couldn't I, why couldn't I possess the, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. The ability to, to achieve this. And that was uh, Rudolf Stingel's show at the MCA some, I don't know, it was four or five years back, four years ago, possibly. And the, um, the, the work that he has reinstalled a number of times, um, but the entryway that had the the um, foam um, styrofoam on the wall, but it retained the the silver coating that 
one could draw into. Um, it, it allowed the public to kind of integrate with the work. Um, was just tremendous, and, and and I don't mean to imply that it's you know the most tremendous thing in the world, but on the spot, that's the one that I that I recall saying, "Wow, why couldn't I do that?" You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Bill, that's all I've got for you. Um, barring barring any other random uh, things that I could come up with, I think that's a good place to to stop. So, thanks again for coming on today and, and talking. Well, thank you very much. I hope uh, I hope I've given you something to to use. And I appreciate the opportunity very much, Dave. Thanks again to Bill Conger, and thanks all of you who are listening. If you want to find out more about Bill and his work, please visit his website, BillConger.com. The music today is provided by the band Zounds. You can find them at freemusicarchive.com. And if you want to listen to more episodes of Studio Break, you can visit us at studiobreak.wordpress.com. Please leave us some comments, some feedback, and we'll see you soon. Screaming of a pain or tax Girl is crying and she misses her train What the man's saying just a little more rain Little bit more, little bit more Everybody's looking for a little bit more The glass is blowing, the wind don't care It'll blow on anything you leave down there just don't believe the price of things What the man say is just a little more wind Little bit more, a little bit more Everybody's looking for a little bit more A time runs quick like an engine train Someone's lost me to quit some kind Buy and more hours, I think I feel fine what the man saying, just a little more time A little bit more, a little bit more Everybody's looking for a little bit, little bit more Little bit more, everybody's looking for a little bit Little bit more, little bit more Everybody's looking for a little Get to increase some crime Five and more hours I think I feel fine Weatherman saying Just a little more time A little bit more A little bit more Everybody's looking for a little bit A little bit more A little bit more Everybody's looking for a little bit more Okay, thank you.